Welcome to episode 684 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 684 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom, Bevan James Oz. How you going, mate? I'm pretty good, Bevan. Yourself? I'm really, do you know one thing I love in life, John? What do you love, Bevan? A toothpick. Toothpick? Do you like a toothpick? No, I don't love a toothpick. I love a toothpick. Mm. I actually went to see the grinder yesterday, John. <laughs> you grind you grinder? She, she did grind me. Yeah. It's never nice when you, when you feel it go up to like your jaw. Yeah. She, she, I, I need a filling. The grinder's a dentist, by the way. Oh yeah, that, yeah, that is true. People yeah. may not know that. Yeah. So, have you been to the grinder recently? I have not been ground by the grinder recently. When was the last time you went? Because last year you said I need to go. Did you go? Probably. Short memory. <laughs> Probably short memory. <laughs> she gave me a ten out of ten job. Gosh, I'm doing well. Okay, I'm talking is proudly brought to you by Extreme Endurance. Your lactic buffer. And Generation You Can. It's a low glycemic complex carbohydrate that delivers steady, long-lasting energy with no spikes and no crashes and keeps your blood sugar steady. John, we've also got some patrons. Let's name a few. Matthew Overload Crehan. We've got Phil, a big brown whitehead. <laughs> Iona Snowtrooper McKenzie. Why, why you laugh so, she was my roommate. Why are you laughing so much? About I wasn't that? laughing at Iona. I was laughing at the, the, the big brown, oh, the big Phil Whitehead. Code brown. In <laughs> <laughs> uh, this week's show, we've got some news. We've got a hot topic of the week. We've got age group of the week. We've got an interview with Tio. Tim O'Donnell, crowd favourite. He's a good man. He's a nice guy. Uh, we've also got winger of the week and questions and answer at the end of the show. John, we had a couple of races come on this weekend and. Um, Really cool result in Challenge Armia. Yeah, we'll talk about the men's first and then go on to the females. Uh, so Matt Troutman took this out with a 49-minute swim, 4.11 on the bike and a 2.44 run, which was an awesome performance for 3 hours and 5, not 3 hours, 7 hours and 50 minutes and 19 seconds. So that's bloody, hard, bloody good racing. Oh, yeah. Apparently there's sunny conditions, nice temperatures and almost no wind. Uh and the races was about three minutes quicker than last year. So this year saw a couple of new course records, both by um, by the winner, Matt Trotman. Uh, and then on second place, we had Christian Hogenhaug from Denmark in 7.53. Another seven minutes back was Thomas Rink from the Czech Republic. So this what did double as the European Triathlon Union Long Distance Championships. So... Uh, Good on Matt Trotman, former age grouper. He was, uh, I think he got second in Kona one year, second age grouper overall or something like that. So he is one of those examples of age grouper turning pro and having some pretty solid results. On the female side, we had a legend, uh, a legend Yvonne Van Vlerken, take out the race. She swam 59 minutes, rode 4.46 and ran a 3.06 for an 8.56.10. Sub nine anywhere. I mean, it's obviously a fast course when you're seeing the guys going seven fifty. But sub nine anywhere is awesome, and especially why is it specifically important on this day? Well, Bevan? because she announced after the race is her last long distance race, maybe as a pro. I'm, I, mm. I imagine she's the kind of person who will race forever. Um, but as a pro athlete, it's the last time. And if you go to a website vonverkin.eu. She's had a long career, and she's had a successful career, man. There's a lot of wins in here. Not in 2016, she did her first, no, is that, no wait a second, when's her first records coming on here? 2014, 2013, 2010, going back to 2004, 2003, 2002. 
She keeps on going back. Are we going to get to the 90s? She got, when did she win Power Man? She won Power Man, maybe got fourth in 2004. Mm. So she's had an awesome career. One thing that was a little bit surprising here is um, she's crossing the picture of her on Torsten's website, tryrating.com, of her crossing the line, uh, and she's got the the Dutch flag, and but she hasn't got a, like a real... F- out pink. there, out there, uniform. You know, she's often either in white or pink or whatever. Now, this was the European Championships, so maybe she was racing in the the national team uniform. I'm not quite sure, um, but yeah, just a bit conservative for her. But good on her. Um, brilliant race, and you know, the last few years she's still been really competitive, but perhaps not quite as many winning performances as would seem. Well, let me know, have a look, John. Let you have a look. Okay, so if we look at 20, what do we go, 20, where's, where's this week? It's a little bit. Let me go through second and third, you sort that out. Second place, we had Lena Christian Schenk from uh, Germany. She was uh, 9 hours and 11 minutes, so it was a 15-minute victory, and uh, Lena was only one minute in front of the another Dutch, Sarissa De Veers. So this race was held in Holland, so that made it even more important for Yvonne van Vleuken to go out with a with a win over the Iron Distance uh, championship race and be able to do it on home soil and I saw a comment from her somewhere you know she really 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 wanted to go out on a high with a, I think she used the words a beautiful performance so I think she it's probably so can say it. she did that oh last year she won uh, challenge Morgan Grand Caronier mm-hmm. she won and she won basically four or five challenge races she won Ironman Maserats mm-hmm. uh, third in Barcelona um, she had a pretty good year last year true but I guess the last few years she maybe hasn't done. She hasn't done like hasn't done the, the big, big, bigs or the Roats or the Frankfurts in terms no, no, of. She got horses. third in Roat in 2017. Yeah, solid. Yeah, solid. solid. Yeah, solid. Yeah. Solid. So there we go. That was uh, Challenge Almira for this year, and that's a career, but that's a career you can be proud of. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Like when you get to the end of your career, a lot of it, you know, a lot of athletes would be pretty happy with a couple of Ironman wins. Mm. She, where would you put her in, on the on the all time scale of Ironman? Well, you had the great example a few weeks ago of Thank she's certainly not an, an immortal. No, uh, but she's in the Hall of Fame, isn't she? Would you? Okay, so he, she's a good one, isn't she? Well, she yeah. had the world record for a moment. Uh, she, yeah, she did when she for she, like what, did she win that right race. Yep, yep. yeah. Um, what's she done in Kona? She's had a podium in Kona. She's I know she got third or their third yeah, there she once. Took I think fourth, eight. 45-48 world record in 2008. Mm. Yeah, I'd, I'd put her in the legend category, but probably only just. Um, just because she has... What was the best Well, Kona? in terms of... you know, She's she got second in Kona. Second, yeah. Um, but in terms of winning championship races, you know, on regular occasions, you know, like an Ironman Germany or... She or won Kona. about four times. Mm. So, no, no. <laughs> okay, I'll take it back. She's definitely in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. I would say she's in the Hall of Fame. Just no, 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 not just. She is, but she's mm. kind of you know she's not going to be an immortal. Mm. Totally, but a legend. So well done to her and uh, good racing, everybody in Challenge Almira. I think is it. Oh, I don't know. I, I, the ITU Long Distance World Championships might be there. The thing the I liked about Levon as well was, you know, she was she's a bit of a fairy. She'd be the first person to admit it. But man, just her love and she was always there for the people. Her love for people, you know, she was her, her spirit. Was pretty special. I remember the first time that we did an interview with her in Rote, I think it was. No, in, in Kona. It might not have been the first time, but I remember when we did go there. It was just after the shower incident, wasn't it? 
It might have been. <laughs> we went out there and she was offering us all this sort of food. Oh, she, they put a meal on for a, us? A, 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 some of those beautiful adami beans. With, I'd uh, never salt. hit those before, John. Yeah. It changed my life. They were great. Yeah. So good on her. Great career. I mean, Wales is one of the most iconic races in the world for a very short period of time, but people seem to love it. We had a pretty interesting race happening over there, John. We did. And, you know, Joe Skipper was uh, sort of seated as the, the big hitter on the, the men's side. Uh, looked like he had a mechanical on the bike and did not, uh, he came off the bike, I don't know, half an hour behind, something like that, um, when he would his, could got himself up to sort of right in contention. Dylan McNeese was leading for, for quite a good chunk of the bike ride. Uh, he did fade on the, the run, as did several others. Uh, so, yeah, never fast times. The guy that won this, never heard of him before, Arnaud Guillaume from France. He did eight hours 48.06, which for that course... It's pretty decent. fast, yep. uh, and he had a, a near ten-minute victory over another person I've never heard of, Maximilian Hamelli uh, from what's that flag? Denmark, I think it is, and Fabio Hran in third with a nine oh nine. Stefan Schumacher, who was uh, is an ex cyclist, and you can read up about him if you so choose. Uh, he was in fourth place, and Dylan Manis was in fifth. Uh, but yeah, only couple of guys went sub nine hours which is a testament to how difficult that course is one of the, i had a guy running with us last night and he just made the comment you know what the hell's going on with that the the, the t1 you know you've got a, a really really long run oh, from really? the, the swim to the bike i'm not sure quite how far it is but i think it's in the region of a k or so oh that's a good question what is the longest transition run i'm pretty sure that would take it you think if you're running a k you get to take it off your marathon well, the marathon times here would suggest you probably don't. No, no, no. But, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, if you're doing a K, that's mm. a lot. Mm. It's not, you know, like, I mean, New Zealand used to be 400 metres. Is it still 400? Uh, it, uh, I haven't been out there for a few years, but it used to be quite long, but I think it's a bit shorter now. Yeah, but mm. a K. Mm. Yeah, and... You know, when you come out of the swim, you're not going to be gassing it. So, uh, on the female side, you know, I was talking it up last week. It was going to be a battle between uh, Lucy yeah. Gossage and, and Laura Sadell. And whilst they had uh, okay races out there, Laura Sadell finished in third place and Lucy Gossage in fourth. Um, they both got cleaned out by a couple of others. So, Simone Mitchell, racing her first season as a pro, uh, took the race out in nine hours and 41 minutes and 52 seconds. Uh, she took the lead on the run with, I think it was about 10. 10 Ks to go uh, and put 10 minutes into Manon Guinée from France. So she ended up, yeah, 10 minutes and 35 minute victory. Uh, Simone Mitchell has, as I said, um, I, she didn't really show up on Torsten's ratings because she, um, I think it's first season racing as a pro, but she has had some fairly impressive results, including a 70.3 age group world championship, uh, 70.3 European champion, and she finished second in Lanzarote last year. Um, despite racing as an age grouper, and uh, and she's really? a course record at the Outlaw full distance as well. So maybe she shouldn't have been such a surprise, but she didn't really show up on Torsen's rating. But still, to go out there and do that time, which again is very respectful on that course, is, uh, is an awesome achievement. Uh, Manon Gagné and Laura Sidel was in third place. Got to remember, though, that Laura Sidel is coming back from a broken collarbone, so, you know... She has she's a, a reasonable excuse. She has a reasonable excuse. Okay, coming up this weekend, John, we've got Ironman Italy. We've got a few big races, actually. Ironman Italy is the first one we're going to be looking at. Hold on, at. you missed Zoffingen. Oh, uh, we missed it last week as well. We did. <laughs> so. so the Zoffingen ITU Powerman World Long Distance Championships were held. Uh, did you see the photo? The photo, have you ever looked at the photo? It's a uh, gold photo. Which photo? So they're doing a photo of, of the like the podium. Yeah. Someone's spurting the wine. Three people behind the guy who's won it. Yeah. Not looking happy. One girl's been splashed. 
that in the face big time. Yeah. And the guy who was next to the girl stepped off the podium, so he didn't get hit. Love it. <laughs> Her face is gold. So Zofingen, um, we've talked about most years, is, a, is a, the iconic duathlon race. Uh, Diego Van Looy took it out from um, Jens Michael Gulsner from Switzerland and Dan de Groot from Netherlands in third. So duathlon, you often see the Belgians uh, really just just got a really good tradition in, in duathlon of all distances. Uh, and then on the female side, it was a Swiss uh, trifecta with Nina Zola taking it out in front of Melanie Mora and Karina Hengartner. So uh, the distances they do over there, I'm pretty sure if I'm, it's the 31st time they've had Powerman uh, Zoffingen, uh, 1,200 participants. They kick off with a 10K run, 144-kilometre, very hilly bike ride, and then a 30-kilometre run. Killer, killer race. Uh, lots of people always enjoyed it. Back in the day, it used to be huge, huge money. Um, but yeah, in terms of this, it st- still is the, the Hawaii of the duathlon world. And Bevan, don't ask me why duathlon's never taken off because you asked No, the, my uh, question is, do you think it gets hurt by the fact it's owned by or run by ITU? Well, I think the numbers were pretty much the same as the previous year, so it's not run by ITU every year. How many ITU races are run? Uh, how many races, duathlon races, do ITU run? Don't know the answer to that question. Um, they run all the world championship ones, and that's possibly the extent of it. Okay. It is bizarre, because I think it's a much more accessible sport than triathlon, but hey, good on them. Um, okay, John, this weekend, you know what's coming up? I'm in Italy. Oh, I'm in Italy. <laughs> okay, so let's have a look. I will say, just uh, on a side note, Italy, uh, they are crushing it at the ITU distance now. I've always wondered why the Italians haven't done that well at triathlon. Um, and now all of a sudden, they're, they're cranking up. They've, they've, why? They've, insti- they've got a, one of the... One of the top coaches has come on board and must have set up some awesome talent ID program and especially on the female side, it's, it's often the case is one gender can often do way, way better than the other for some reason. Spain, they've got the men. Italy seem to have the women. They've still got some good guys, don't get me wrong, but uh, just like at the world champs, so they were killing it. So yes, we have Ironman Italy coming up. There's uh, Kona slots available for, for next year, one male, one female. It's only got $40,000 uh, US total prize pool paying six deep uh, on the men's side things on Torsten's ratings you got Ivan Tukin who is seated fast I remember him because he had that amazing run with uh, Matt Hansen in Texas a few years ago where they were both absolutely spanking it his expected run I time know, 239.04 that's impressive uh, Yaroslav Kovacic who we were just talking about before he won Almira last year is seated second and Cam Wirth is down to, to race uh, it's been interesting to see if he races it or does it as a, a training qualified. run Tim Don Tim Don's got an asterisk next to his name I think he's a bit more focused on doing the, the para side of things at the moment uh, also got Kyle Buckingham in there the what? So. He's, he's doing the para tra- Paralympics, and he's a guide for, I'm pretty sure it's a blind person. Um, oh, really? Yeah, and so that's his, his big focus, is to get an Olympic gold medal, I think, uh, next year in Tokyo. Oh, that's pretty cool. That's pretty interesting, isn't it? Mm. When you got, you, you know, for the the guiding athlete is someone of his ability. Mm. You know, it's pretty impressive. So, yeah, I think the most interesting thing for me there is going to be seeing uh, what Cam Worth does, whether he lays it down. Three weeks out before um, Hawaii, you know, you think, my God, you're an idiot for, for going out there and racing, but you'd probably be doing somewhat of a sort of a similar session around about three weeks out, certainly, you know. Some, Not a marathon. Well, you'd be running a marathon, but you wouldn't be Not tying it together in an Ironman. So, you know, you're thinking, well, if he goes out there and just crew, swims at 70%, bikes at 70%, and then puts in a good run, 
Yeah, the, he, these guys that do massive, massive volume, it's not such a big deal for them. Especially he's an ex-cyclist, so they do crazy volume. So I'm not. Sa- I'm saying it's still pretty risky. It's, it's a big question why, but isn't it? Yeah, but you might you might want to be you know it's a perfect way to fine tune your nutrition and and just have a good long three weeks for the race. Well, just retesting and training your stomach as well. It's, you may not be training any new things, but just making sure your stomach's one hundred percent. So I kind of see both sides of it. It's not something I would be doing. No. Um, but well, time will tell. Uh, Challenge Madrid, we don't have any... Hold on, we haven't even talked about the females oh, sorry, here. sorry. Uh, one other name to watch out there. I'm not sure if this is a typo or not. There's a number th- seed number 33 on Torsten's rating. It doesn't have a li- uh, any results down there. Yao, uh, Yao Ferreira from Portugal. Now, I'm not sure if that's a typo. If it's Yao Pereira, then he's a, a really good ITU athlete. Um, if it's not him at all, then don't look out for him. But if it is... He could be a dark horse. Female side of things, we've also got another Kona qualifier that's down to race, Maureen Half from Germany. Uh, the, the times here are really close, so she's expected to go 9.13. Caroline Leerider from Germany, 9.14, and Michelle Vesterby, 9.16. So we could see some close racing. And go Sonia Bracegirdle from New Zealand, uh, who's seated six to go in there. Okay, we've got uh, Challenge Madrid. We don't have any uh, list for that. Ironman Career, which is a non-pro race. And then we've got a couple of races, John. We have the Red Man in the States. They had the ITU Long Distance World Champs there a few years ago. Um, then we have the Bear Man Extreme, another of these uh, X-Try type races. Uh, I, I looked it up because I'm always interested to see what these races are like. The bike has got 180 Ks with 4,700 metres of gained altitude. Ooh. And the run is uh, 42 Ks with 1,475 metres plus. It's uh, largely off-road as well. So if you want to check out these X-Tries um, going off-road, there's a crap load of them from from which to choose these days. Okay, this week's discussion, John. So this week's discussion was really based around uh, the idea of drafting. So we had two questions here. Is five minutes too much penalty for drafting in a half Ironman 7.3? And then question two is, would you rather see a run penalty than a stand down? For example, instead of a five-minute penalty in a tent in an iron distance race, you have one-minute penalty and then you run an extra K on the lap. Uh, for from the seventy point three's handbook, there was actually no distance. Rather, six bike lengths was the call. Okay, John. Uh, so Hua Chin, as somebody who paid for the run penalty in Roth, it is way better than the five minute. I wasn't paying attention when I got it, but I sure as hell paid a hundred percent attention for the rest of the ride when they told me what I had to do. Pros don't usually want to draft, but if they knew they'd have to expend additional energy with an extra run, they will be diligent about staying out of the draft zone. Okay, I'm going to use your list here because my Facebook's taking a while. Uh, Andreas Wolf has got Bevan and John. Can you get a referee on the show? Would be good to hear their perspective. Most people seem to think that of the blatant, deliberate drafting. There are definitely cases where the penalty is issued for accidental drafting, uh, not knowing the rules, and due to mistakes. Referees are all humans. DQs in all of these cases... There needs to be a penalty, but five minutes seems plenty. Multiple infractions should lead to stronger penalty. Brent Chan, if you're listening, we should get you on because you uh, you do some race refereeing and I always love it when people are contributing to the sport as well as competing. Rob Cummins, uh, so question one, drafting over 90Ks could lead to a bigger gain than five minutes, so why would the penalty need to be shortened? It needs to be a detriment. I kind of... I've, I've, what does that say again? Uh, so you get more of a benefit than five minutes if you draft for 90Ks. Now, I don't know. 
With yeah, that, so he's saying it's calculated it, risk. It, it depends where you draft. If you're sitting up somebody's jack seat, yes, you probably, from the aerodynamics side of it, yes, you'd gain five minutes. If you're sitting at um, five bike lengths instead of six, how much aerodynamic gain is it five minutes? Don't know, but then you factor in the, the mental side of it. You know, you've, we've all seen that once somebody pops off a group, boom, they're out the back door, and that's sometimes a mental handbrake yep. as much as uh, the aerodynamic side of it. So, yeah, how much do you actually gain by sitting maybe one or two metres in, both mentally and from the aerodynamics? Don't know if we can answer that one. Question two, I always thought the 1K extra penalty uh, was the best deterrent I've heard of. I'd love to see it at more races, both full and half distance. Stephen Wilson's got, uh, Wilson's got uh, agree run penalty loop would be fun for spectators but logistically prevents this. How many events next to a 400 metre track? So run time penalty better uh, but needs to be a deterrent. So three minutes at a 7.3 in my view, your competitors are out of sight. I would say in most races, actually having a the extra distance off the side is not that big a deal. Cause I was you could call about it the lap of shame. Oh, that would be even better. Yeah, and yeah. You, they've literally got to run around and people booing through a like yeah. <laughs> boo yeah. <laughs> Game oh, of Thrones style. That would be good. Shame. Um, Florian Helg, question one, yes. Uh, question two, while a run penalty is cool, drafting penalties on the bike should be served ASAP in order to remove the perpetrator from the people he was drafting. Uh, all in all, maybe two minutes stand down and 500 metre penalty for half distance and five minutes plus 1k for the long distance. So, yeah, I, I do agree that you kind of need to be removed from the situation. That's a fairly big penalty rather than just serving it as, as a run-only uh, penalty when you get off the bike. Okay, Paula Ryan's got there. There was footage of Reef uh, sitting up to make sure she didn't enter the draft zone as she caught up to the chasers and waiting until there was room to pass before going for it. Yes, uh, can break up your rhythm a bit, but it's not cheating. Penalties need to be harsh, otherwise the advantage received can make it worthwhile risk just in case I get caught. As you know, you can make it up anyway. And finally, somebody who, for me, uh, make sure you do the Brian Kent one. Brian Kent. That can be your last one. Uh, it's on the show notes. Okay. Um, last one, Brent Chan, who does do some refereeing. Question one, no, it's not too much. People suggesting a shorter penalty may be fans who still want their favourite athlete to be competitive after getting a drafting penalty. My response, however, is if you get a penalty, shouldn't you be substantial enough to prevent you from winning and therefore be a deterrent? You can uh, can still be there or thereabouts, but should it be able to break? Should you be able to break the rules and still win without a Herculean effort? Question mark. So I think that's a good one because Lucy Charles and, and I don't want to pick on her because lots of people have been busted for drafting before. Yeah, I know one who's sitting next to her right now. <laughs> yeah, but she didn't get eliminated from the race. She got eliminated from winning the race through having a five-minute penalty and eliminated pretty much from getting on the podium without a, a Herculean effort, as uh, Brent would say. Um, so, yeah. Ooh. Question two, uh, a penalty loop is fun slash great idea, but I think Roth might be the only place to do it. Harder for TOs to manage this and makes the penalty variable by run speed of the athlete. Good runners impacted less. Is that fair? Yeah, Question true. mark. That's good. Uh, Brian Kent Scott, this is the one you want me to read out. A life ban from sport is too lenient, especially for money-guzzling age groupers. Should be stripped of all medals and be forced to have... Draft head tattooed on their face. Yeah, I think that's the that clear winner. Yep, yeah, clear winner. John. Yep. Lifetime bans. The reason you went to this discussion was you felt that Lucy Charles was 
put out of the race because of a penalty. And you were saying, do well, we want no, that? Well, no, it was partly that. Well, that's what you said. No, it was partly that. It was part. It was more, I was just a bit surprised that the penalty is the same for, and more so, the same for a half than it is for the full. So, But, but, but you also said. It put her out of the race. Yeah. Yeah. So, if, Do we want penalties that put athletes out of a race? Yes, that was the question. But I was also, I am surprised that it's the same for full as a half. So that was that was the reasons for the discussion. Um, there was a comment on there, and I, I'm not going to pull up the person in particular, but everybody who, not everybody, lots of people who have been busted for drafting say, I wasn't drafting. Yep. And it's like, hey, nobody in jail has done the crime. <laughs> if you get busted for drafting, 99% times of it, it was not a, a, a referee's error. But the passing one's a tough one. Yeah, but it's still if you if you really hand on heart go, yeah, I I, I know it was probably a harsh call, and I took forty seconds to pass instead of twenty five. Sorry, that's still you've still broken the rules, yeah. and and I would say, from my observations of the Nice race, and and we're kind of looking at that one particularly after the last weekend, was it. The, when I was watching the females race, it did seem that they had a race referee with them the whole time, and they seemed to me to be acting fairly fairly. I know it looks like they only gave out one penalty, but when they were going uphill, geez, it's really easy to actually yeah. break a rule. But they were actually the, the referees were kind of using their common sense, yep. um, and so I think we've got to factor that in because I, on both the males and the females, you probably could have busted pretty much everybody. But that's the problem then, the inconsistency, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. then you say, well, Lucy Charles got busted. But if, if you could have busted everybody, then she's, it's just luck of the draw. It is. And maybe she, maybe, I don't know, maybe she was a worse infringer than others. Yeah. Uh, so uh, who knows? We, I didn't see the actual call. Um, the other thing we do have to factor in, and, and this is a great thing with this Facebook Live coverage, we're seeing the whole race. Yeah. And, uh, and so we can all be bloody armchair critics, is that course was really difficult given it was so narrow and tricky in places. Um, and again, I'm creating excuses for them, but it was different if, if compared to being, say, a flat, straight road where there is more space to get out of the draft zone. You've got a lot of points here. I know. Uh, one, <laughs> one interesting point that I had, does your average weekend worry, you know, most of you people listening to the show are probably moderate to hardcore athletes. Yep. Uh does somebody who's just going out there really give a shit if they get a five-minute penalty and get to go and sit on the sidelines? Um I, I don't know. Um, well, the other question is: Are penalties given out at more at kind of certain parts of the field more? Mm. So, are the people in the front third of the field getting more penalties than the people at the back of the field? Good question. Now, because you could argue because they're trying to be competitive, they're trying to get a competitive advantage. But then the mass part of the field is often around that 12, 13 hour mark, isn't it? Mm. Or probably ten to twelve hour mark. So, are we seeing the, the penalties are a reflection of the field or of actual conscious cheating? Because, mm. like for you and Kona. You felt there was no way you couldn't get busted. Without going so far backwards, it wasn't even funny. Yeah. So so yours was very... And much, I'll put my hand up. I was in the draft zone. I'm yeah, not disputing the call whatsoever. <laughs> we played Monopoly. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but so it'd be really interesting to see where most penalties are given. Mm. You know? So let's go back to the actual question at hand. And the question was, uh, is the five-minute penalty too much for a half Ironman 70.3? And would you like to see a, uh, a run penalty and a stand, stand down or some, some sort of combination. But the problem with you here, because you said last week you felt it was a bit gutting because Lucy was out of the race. That's from a fan perspective. And when I actually think, read through these comments and so on, I actually think, hmm, maybe it was about right. You get five minutes and you're still able to get fifth. But Okay, so there's a good one in rugby right now. So, so one thing that's happened in rugby recently is that um, concussion has become a big issue. 
and you know rugby for, for, you know for those in america rugby's a lot like gridiron but you don't have the headgear so you know mm. the it's got probably not as bad as gridiron because gridiron they use the headgear as mm. the thing now what's happened is in the last few years like in the history of rugby there's probably been like 10 red cards in the last 10 years or last five years there's been you know quite a few red cards or more than in, in comparison to the history um and what's happened is your red card comes and it's pretty much the end of the game because mm. you're playing a 14 players like the all blacks lost a player recently against mm-hmm. south africa we lost the game we lost one of the lions when when the lions were here mm-hmm. we lost the game so you're really saying it's the end of the game now it's a harsh penalty because we don't want concussion mm. but in american um, hockey, ice hockey, they have the player sent off and then they get a yellow card and they get to bring somebody else on, mm. which seems like a much better way to deal with this problem because you just want to kill the sport. comparing team sports with individual sports. Hey, no, what, but the problem, um, what I'm saying here is how harsh is drafting? Mm. You know, like, okay, drug sheets, you ban them. But, but then you've got the drug cheats and you go, well, what if they did it accidentally? I <laughs> know they all use that cause. Yeah. But if somebody did it blatantly, they'll get the same punishment. Uh, you know, if you get no, but yeah, okay. So, but what, what's the appropriate level for drafting? Because, because your what your your problem was you're out of the race. Yes, if, if, if you're competitive, mm. and if, even the ones you've come up with here. Well, if you're going to do a run, you're out of the race. Yeah, but I, the more that I've initially, I, I did say that. But more that I've thought about it, read through these comments, I kind of think, oh, it was about right. But, but I, my, I, my, I don't. I disagree because the problem is, and you said it with yourself, is that there's inconsistency. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people who just bad luck, mm-hmm. you know, and so for those two reasons, to have a penalty, like you said yourself just then, in the 70.3 World Championships, anybody could have been given a penalty in those pros. Mm-hmm. Now, Lucy Charles got one, and she might have been more blatant, or maybe she was just unlucky. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, now, if we knew that they were always consistent, and they always gave the penalties, and it was 100% accurate, I kind of wouldn't mind it being that you're out of the race. But because it's so blurry... Mm-hmm. I kind of think maybe we want to be a bit more lenient. Well, I, I, but the point is, she wasn't out of it. She was out of the win. Yeah, but that's her race. Yeah, but she's she's still got fifth place. I'm I'm a, now more that I've thought about it. I reckon it's. I think it was about right. I think my thing is, I think there needs to be a difference between a half and a full in terms of the, the penalties. Do we need to penalise people more in a full? But your penalties here, you've got four minutes plus for eight hundred meter run. Yep. So that's for an Ironman. <laughs> that's pretty hard. Well, now that's that's less than wrote's five minutes plus a K run. Uh, oh, I, so thought, I thought wrote was just a run. No, no, you still. I'm almost positive you still stand down. Oh, I'm, I'm not actually. No, I think it's just a run, okay. isn't it? Anyway, this is this is my solution. You come up with some solutions rather than just pointing out all the problems. Uh, oh, here we go. <laughs> so I've got for Ironman, you have a four minute penalty plus an eight hundred meter run, and a half Ironman, you have two minutes plus a four hundred meter run. Now I know I take on the points that. A faster runner is going to be uh, penalised less in this circumstance um, than, a, than a slower runner, but there's never going to be a uh, 100% fair solution. But from, from, from me as an athlete point of view, the run is a significantly bigger deterrent, and I, I consistently hear that from other people, than adding on an extra couple of minutes. And that may just be in my head, I don't know, but for me, the run penalty oh, is, no, definitely. Uh, is Especially a concern. In but you do need to have that penalty where you are going to try to remove the person from the situation um, by uh, impacting their race when they're out there, so then you are getting removed from that group or whatever, so you're penalised on the road, and then you've got the bonus tack on. I actually think that's probably about right. I think I do agree that maybe it's a little bit long in halves. Mm. I think maybe it should be maybe more like a three minute and a half. Mm. Um, if I knew they were consistently doing a good job all the time, and it but was never going to get that. Well, it's then I, that's why I don't think it should be you're totally out of the race. You know what I mean? I, I think that 
Lucy Charles probably could look at that video from last weekend mm-hmm. and go, look, she did it there, she did it there, she did it there. And she was someone who potentially could have won the race. Mm-hmm. Now, she, she did get caught. So for me, that's why I think actually it's probably about right. Five minutes and probably three minutes. So you don't want the run penalty? No, I, I think the run just, like I, I love it as a deterrent. Mm-hmm. Maybe not for pros. Maybe not for pros, but for age groupers, maybe. You can't, that, and that's the other thing we've, we've had here. It's if you have too many different systems. Yep. Uh, Nadine Voice had a good suggestion. Uh, you know, in Formula One, you have different sorts of penalties. You know, you have yep. a, a drive-by, you've got to stop, etc. But then it just starts to get really confusing, and you're going, "Oh shit, I don't know rules. what penalty I've got here." Um, and the other, I, I was thinking, well, you know, I've, I've come up with these solutions here. Um, well, things that I think might work I was thinking oh, I, bloody, I should do this run penalty at my Oxman half Ironman race that I'm going to be doing yep. but one of the challenges you have and, I'm, and I may be wrong I may be right here is if you're running it under your National Federation rules which a lot of races do have to be done is are you actually allowed to just go oh, I want to create my own rule here uh, and then again we have inconsistencies you know you go well I'm going doing John's Oxman I've got to do a run penalty I'm going to go to Challenge Wanaka what's the rule there I'm going to go into Ironman New Zealand what's the rule there so we do need some consistency but I do like the the run penalty across the board as being a very very strong deterrent because the thing is like so so like one thing in rugby league i love rugby league and and there's some really good rugby league podcasts but one there's a guy called gus gould who's kind of a good thinker in rugby league and he says the problem is like for example last weekend in rugby league the south rabbitos played the the roosters and the week before one of their players pulled some guys here who's their mm. best player sam burgess is one of the greatest players in the in the sport right now Pulled us here, didn't get to play in the game, got penalised. Mm. You know, now, pulling here is not great, get it? Mm. But fans want to see him play. Mm. And I want to see Lucy Charles challenging Reef at the end of that race. Now, sure, if she was cheating blatantly, I get it. But just that, to me, the blurry line's the problem. Oh, yeah. It always has been. And the other thing I've got to say is, this is my final point, uh, kind of not relevant to the, the, the discussion in terms of solutions, but draft marshals would be ideal if they were on electric bikes, not big Harley Davidsons, because whenever you hear you hear the Harley Davidson come up behind you, everybody just splits really quickly. Yeah. If you're on an electric bike, I think you're much more likely to to bust those that are really blatantly taking the piss. It's a hard discussion. Okay, John, this week's discussion is sent through from Greg Land, and it's a great discussion. What would be your three times for an Ironman under the following three scenarios on the same course on the same day. So you, obviously you duplicate yourself. Um, number one, normal Ironman rules. Number two, a true solo event. No one else is racing on the course. Zero chance of drafting. Number three, having a full drafting event. You can choose anyone or as many people as you like to work with, but they obviously can't pull you. He doesn't like literally pull you. He's got here, he reckons his times are going to be 14 and a half for one, which is normal. 15 for solo. 13 and 45 for drafting. I think he's got it wrong. I reckon it's going to be bigger gaps than that. Uh, Solo Iron Man. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't. Got, I'm, I'm saving my comic till no, next week. No, I'm just thinking of his one here. And yeah. also, if you could totally draft. Oh no, maybe the draft 45 minutes faster. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Yep. Totally. Yeah, I've, I haven't done my maths yet, but that looks on the face of it probably pretty reasonable. Yeah, I reckon you you're probably slightly much. slower on your heart on the by your solo. Yeah, you because you lose motivation. Yeah, oh yeah, I think with a solo is one that would be Longer. quite a bit slower. Yeah, yeah, totally. But we'll talk about that next week, guys. So we want to know your three different times. Your normal, solo, and being after draft. John, let's talk about the sponsor. Extreme Endurance. Your lactic buffer, okay. but we're going to look about clinical studies. Yeah, so they've got several studies. If you guys actually want to go and see what has been done, because there's often lots of claims made from... 
all sorts of different companies on on what their products do. Um, and there's a couple that uh, X Endurance have done. They did one in the Journal of Athletic Enhancement uh, in 2016, where they tested uh, you know just a standard extreme endurance product. They've found 26% reduction in lactic acid, 39% reduction in oxidative stress, and six times lowering of your CK levels. And that was uh, even they have had a couple of other ones that are probably not as relevant to uh, triathletes in terms of their create uh, not that one there was another one looking at uh, doing like a Fran a test which is, here? no it was a Fran test which is more sort of um, CrossFit, CrossFit. Yeah. and then the, the, the original one they did uh, in Germany with a guy called Jürgen Cessna was again was testing um, the standard extreme endurance and that had a 15% decrease in lactic acid and a 41% increase in uh, aerobic threshold uh, so which is massive it is massive so you always got to go looking through the studies and actually the you know read the science side of it but it just it does back up what we kind of consistently say is you know you get less muscular soreness um, and so that's going to help you you bounce back from from these uh, from tough races and tough training sessions and you generally just feel better and then that's often the, you know in terms of the the less lactic acid buildups so if you are interested in actually seeing the science behind it and and what tests have been uh, done go and check out xendurance.com and then uh, they've got a science button there and you can go and check out their clinicals and they've also got a, a tab on there for their bands substance testing and uh, and obviously all their product info so go check it out xendurance.com and we, we had another testimonial through uh, yesterday we'll, we'll read out next week but another guy who's again just done an anecdotal um testing on himself uh, yeah and he was sort of did we'll talk about it next week but he he changed several variables and, and one of them was going to be uh, he did sort of one with extreme endurance and that made a really nice big difference so check it out uh, usually the, the example we're going to bring up next week he only used it for seven days and saw a really nice gain so that's often all it takes to, to test it out so if you've got any running races coming up uh, or any races at all check it out xendurance.com okay John age group of the week. week good old Paul Moore he finished 10th in the age group in his first Ironman and finally qualifies 10 years later, but there's a story. So let's go through this, John. There is. So as part of my study that I'm doing, uh, at the moment I'm doing a bit of a, a study on low-carb, high-fat and, and athletes' perceptions of it. I'm going so around, what's, what's the idea? What are you trying to figure out? What, why people choose the low-carb, high-fat diet, essentially. and where, so, where, so the reasoning behind. Yeah, so it's more of a touchy-feely yeah. um, discussion rather than you know grams of carbohydrates you're taking in, etc. Um, and so I'm nominating Paul for Age Group of the Week because I interviewed him a couple of weeks ago. And uh, and just one of the questions, I can't remember how this actually came up, you know, what's your recent races or what are you, what are you planning on doing? And he just sort of said, oh, I've got a little bit of a story I'll tell you about uh, what's, what's coming up. And so Paul has got a, a very good story. He's qualified for Hawaii, which is awesome. Yep, he, well he, Big he, achievement. He, he started 10 years ago and he got really close to his, his first one and uh, and he thought, all right, I'm onto this. <laughs> and then since then, he's uh, missed out by oh, one spot twice. Suck. And you're thinking, I'm almost there. And then he's just chipping away. Oh, 10 years. And then he went away and did uh, Ironman Cairns this year and he finished in eighth equal place. In his age group. In his age group. Yep. And normally you're thinking, eight slots, going to be a bit of roll down here yeah. but there was there was no roll down there was eight slots in the age group oh no way he got eighth wait no he got eighth equal and there was eight slots in the age group how often do you get an equal and this is a challenge this is a, a rolling start so it's not like you've had oh, a sprint finish photo finish yeah this is you crossing the line somebody else crossing five minutes before five minutes after whatever but they had the exact same time to the second um and the, but the problem was the slot went to the other guy why 
Um, well, they had the in, in the listings and so on. Um, Paul was actually listed in eighth, and the other guy was listed in ninth. But then when they actually went back and looked at the the point of a second, they gave it to the other guy. So even in the results, Paul was listed eighth, but they still gave it oh, to the other guy. Oh, mate, that would hurt. Would rip that would your, rip your undies, John. Firstly, you think eight slots has got to be a roll down, but they all went, especially with Cairns, because it's a it's a very very end of the Southern Hemisphere season. Yeah, most season, people are taking their slots, and all the Aussies, a lot of the Aussies will have done Port Macquarie or Western Australia. But or, you, you look at the result, you're eighth. You think you've got it? Oh yeah. And then I oh, uh, didn't hurts. get it. And so Paul contacted Iron Man and he couldn't get through to anybody. He couldn't get through to anybody. And when he finally got through to present his case, they, and, and uh, fair, fair enough to be protesting, and eventually they uh, succumbed. And so Paul is off to Kona. So it's oh. Paul Moore living in Australia. And, Paul Moore. Uh, Paul Moore. I thought you like smokes, Paul Moore. But that is just another case. With these rolling starts, you've got to take it to the line. You know, if, if, well, if that's a good point, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're not worried about your time or placing or whatever, but jeepers, I've heard so many of these stories. Take it to the line. I love that saying. Take it to the line. <laughs> yeah. So, Paul Moore, saying. you are our age grouper of the week. Take it to the line. Love your work. Age group of the week. Hey, John, we're going to interview coming up, and it's been brought to you by Generation You Can. Tell us about it, John. You Can products are powered by Superstarch, which is a unique low glycemic complex carbohydrate that delivers steady, long-lasting energy with no spikes, no crashes, and keeps your blood steady, uh, blood sugar steady. Um, lots of triathletes we hear using You Can because it helps uh, them avoid GI distress, bonking, and improves your body composition, all with minimal or no sugar. So use a promo code I. Talk 15 and you get 15% off at uh, generationyoucan.com uh, along with some the actually I'll pull up the, at the end of the interview I'll pull up the other countries you can use the code at but uh, Kiwis can use it Aussies can use it um, Canadians can use it uh, UK, I think. or if you if you go to generationyoucan.com uh, then you can use it there as well. Make sure you do it because uh, honestly, people will get re- really good feedback on it. We've got Tim O'Donnell on, and uh, let's get into him now. And he talks a little bit about that as well. So let's get into it. Right, okay, guys. We've, today we've got uh, a bit of a Ironman American legend on the show, multiple top tenner in Kona, been up as high as third, won Ironman races, won seventy point three races, and uh, last An amazing year, amazing race last year. Last year we saw this autumn, awesome battle um, with. Braden Curry trying to battle out to get onto the podium. Uh, so, Tim O'Donnell, welcome back to the show. Oh, thanks, guys. I'm still uh, – that battle last year has left me scarred, I think. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things, um, you know, we're, 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 what, three or four weeks out from Kona now. When you – you know, you finished fourth last year. Once the dust had kind of settled, what was your plan for, for you know, from then until now? And, and I guess how has it sort of panned out? Oh, my my plan has been uh, it's been thrown out the window several times this year, but um, you know we're still moving forward. Um, you know, looking pretty good. But yeah, originally uh, Julie, my coach Julie Dimmons, and I decided to do Ironman Texas at the start of the year. So we we're going to do that, and then if everything went well, hopefully do Roth um, uh, Challenge Roth in Germany. But uh, in March, when we were when uh, Rennie and I were out in Australia, I, I crashed. Uh, my bike pretty bad and broke some ribs and that just kind of changed the whole start of the season for me so uh, from there you know I shifted to going to do Brazil but still wasn't ready and then ended up doing Ironman Boulder and uh, ended up getting third but definitely still wasn't ready for the performance I wanted Um, so yeah that whole first half of the year was super rocky 
Sometimes as a pro, there can be a blessing in disguise with those moments. Has there been a blessing in disguise? Um, you know, yeah, I think in some ways I'm definitely, you know, last year uh, I had I broke my foot early in the year and I think that really helped me be fresh for Kona. And I think, you know, it's probably same for this year. I was actually in really good, good shape in March um, before the bike accident happened. And sometimes, you know, when you're crushing an Ironman, you know, like Texas that early in the year, it's it's hard to, um, you know, maintain your form or, or you know, come back down and then build up properly. Um, you know, if you, if you do well, you end up wanting to do every other race in between just because you're on a roll and then it becomes too much. So hopefully it, it was. Yeah. I mean, you got to look at the you got to look at everything. Uh, you can only manage the, you know. Uh, what you have in front of you, you can only play the cards you're dealt and you have to try to put a good positive spin on every situation. And I think that's a great way to look at, um, you know, mine this year. So I saw a comment you had made on the, the Tim and Rennie show um, with regards to the, the qualifying system and how going into Boulder, that was probably a bit of a stressor for you, knowing that you hadn't you know, ticked the box and you kind of needed to do that. Um, so maybe talk us through your thoughts on the qualifying system and you know, maybe not just relative to your situation, um, but sort of the general feeling you have and, and what you think others think of the system. Yeah, for me, I mean, I just, I, it doesn't make sense for me. I scratch my head at a lot of the, um, a lot of the, the points of the system. I mean, you know, for example, someone races uh, Ironman Louisville on the same day as Kona, and you know, whoever wins that is going to Kona next year. But, but for some reason, the the winner of Kona doesn't go the following year. Mm. Um, you know, the qualification system has started, right? So Kona should be a qualification race. And uh, if you're going to have a tiered system like they do with regional championships and, you know, you're, you get your normal Ironman race, regional championship race, which usually has twice as many slots. Well, then one would think that the world championship would be in the qualification system and have maybe four times as many slots as a regular race or something like that, that that goes along with with the other aspects of the system. And I mean, you know, you, you look at, a, you know, Sarah Groff uh, or Sarah True's, you know, great example too i mean she went what three races three ironman races trying to qualify mm. uh off of a fourth place you know amazing fourth place kona last year uh you know if you look at some of the other individual sports like golf or tennis i think you would see uh maybe some qualification um systems that make a little more sense in terms of you know people that are achieving high results at important races you know, it's, it's kind of easy to say that you're in the last part of your career, but, you know, you got fourth in Kona last year. You, you're obviously still pretty sharp, and I know this year you've had your injury, so maybe your results haven't reflected where you would be. You know, how much longer do you see, and what, what are some of the goals that you have in front of you moving forward? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I'm, <laughs> I haven't, unfortunately, I haven't been able to get to the start line very much this year. Uh, just Boulder and then Ironman uh, Santa Rosa. Uh, where I was second to Sam Appleton, um, who always, you know, races that race really well. But I mean, I look at, you know, the data, my numbers, um, you know, I, I'm riding better than I've ever ridden. Um, even in racing like Santa Rosa, I was, I've done that race the last three years in a row. And, uh, that was minutes faster than I've ever done the race before. And I had a faster run. So, um, I'm putting the age, I think the age card is kind of a bit of an excuse, you know, I'm going to put that aside. Um, you know, if you How take care you of t- your body, uh, yeah. 38, okay, yep. 
Yeah, I mean, I look at Crowey and Cam Brown and Andy Potts, and you know, those guys are all still winning races. So, mm. uh, I think if you're taking care of your body and you're smart about adapting your training uh, to what your body needs at that point in your life, you know, I'm, you know, if, you know, if you're 22 and you need to do a lot of volume, and I see that with other athletes in, you know, Julie Dibbins' crew, you know, someone like Justin Metzler, he's at a completely different point in his career than I am. You know, he's uh, in his 20s and he's young and he can handle that load. And he hasn't done it before, right? But I've—that's all in in the past for me. That's all in my bank account. So I don't necessarily need to be making the same deposits. I just need to be uh, making smarter uh, withdrawals, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so you know what it takes to get on the the podium, Kona. You know, been there. You were very close yep. last year. What what's the difference? And, and you've also had some some average res- results in Kona. So what's the difference for you between you know what does it take to get on the podium for you? I think, you know, every race is so different. Um, You know, the dynamics of last year's race was none like I've ever seen before, and I've been doing that race since 2011. So you have to be, I think, willing to, you know, adjust your plan. If you have one game plan going into Kona, it's – I I don't think you're going to have a a great day because, you know, things are, you know, so dynamic in that race, and you have to be – you have to be willing to adapt to the situation – and I think having yourself understanding that different things can happen and trying to always be in the right position is is an important way to have a great race there. So what was different last year, other than the, the really, really good conditions that produced you know record-setting times all over the place, what was different last mm-hmm. year? You know, last year uh, it seemed to be when we got onto the bike a much more evenly paced, um, paced ride. Usually it's... Uh, you know, kind of like everybody sits up and waits, and and then all of a sudden there's these monster attacks going up Javi. But um, you know, you had a couple guys up the road like Cam Worth and and uh, Josh and um, and uh, Andy Starkowitz, and then you had myself and a couple other guys who were a little in front of that big train with the Andy Treats was driving uh, that eventually came up. But like I know for me and the guys that are with me, I was like, all right, well let's all just stay, you know like basically 70.3 effort if you're on the front and we're all take some turns and try to keep the pace consistent and, you know, not and and somewhat fast. So, um, I think that led to a really steady start to the race. And by the time that Andy had that train pulled up to us, um, we were just starting to climb to, to Javi and, um, you know, I think everybody had kind of already settled into a pace and, uh, the shenanigans, uh, just didn't ensue up the climb. It was a very <laughs> steady climb. Nice. Do you, do you take much notice of what other people are doing during the season? You know, we had 70.3 world champs uh, the weekend before last, and there's a lot of talk about what Brownlee's going to do there and in Kona, and um, some people might have written him off, um, others may not. Do you, do you take much notice of what other people are doing in, in their sort of form during the season? Well, I mean, as a fan of the sport, I love watching other races, that even that I'm not in. So, yeah, I was definitely, like, super interested in watching 70.3 worlds but I don't know if it's indicative of how anybody's going to race in Kona. Um, I'll never write anybody off because I think that's um, – it's just opening the door for bad things to happen. You know, if you, you start underestimating somebody, they're going to um, punch you in the back of the head when you're not looking. So um, I'm, I'm always uh, assuming everybody's going to have a great day. But, yeah, I, I, for me, I, I, I'm, I'm excited that Jan's going to be racing again this year and, um, you know, that obviously Ali will be there it just makes the race that much more exciting and, and I want to race, you know, the best guys. And I think it brings out the best in me. 
So if, if I can get my best performance out of having those guys on the start line, just making it, you know, that much of a better race, then, um, you know, let's do it. Just, just reflecting back on last year's race, you know, you've had some <clears> great <throat> results in your career, but just where you went to within yourself, because it was just such an interesting dynamic to watch. And, and let's be honest, Braden's a bloody good runner. So I think early on I was, I was thinking, you know, Braden will probably get you, but you just hung tough. Was that the deepest place you've gone in a race? You know, I think it was, uh, and I had to make a kind of a conscious decision to go there. And yeah, I mean, on on paper, I'm, I'm you know, Braden's definitely run faster marathons than me in Ironman. So mm. I had, you know, in no way was I thinking that I had this in the bag. Um, but, you know, I do have a lot of experience in Kona and I'm, I've gotten to know that race pretty well. So I just, you know, like we were saying earlier about having a positive spin, I was you know, trying to kind of have that positive in my head. But um you know, I saw my coach Julie on the side of the road and she kind of gave me a look like, all right, it's time to go. And then, um, I saw my good buddy, Nathan, who's uh, a Navy guy, you know, I went to school with and he's still in the Navy and he said some choice words that <laughs> I won't repeat, but I turned around to Braden. I'm like, man, uh, that was, uh, that was pretty explicit, <laughs> but, uh, you know, having, when, when I went by Julie and Nathan, uh, I kind of like, all right, you know what, this race is bigger than me and i've heard crowey say this before um i think maybe one of his acceptance speeches but uh you know i realize that all the people out here have put so much energy effort and love into what i'm doing for something that i want to achieve like i need to res- respect that and if i have anything else in my tank then i need to put it um put it out right then uh and so i just went for it mm-hmm. it's amazing how much it is a mental thing but isn't it you know we talk about the, the central governor theory and it's like it is that want isn't it yeah for sure, yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I, I think the mental side of the sport is, especially late in the race, it's it's the most important factor. And I think we all overlook it because we're trying to, you know, work on our power on the bike and our, you know, our efficiency on the run. But when it comes down to it, if you're not mentally ready for that race, um, it's going to be a long day. And, I, and, you know, I my results show it. The years that I thought I was the fittest going into that race by far my i had abysmal races they were horrible um just because you're like you know what i've never been fitter before it's going to be an awesome day and then it gets really hard and you're not mentally prepared to to fight uh last year i had no expectations i had a credit year the year before i had a rocky beginning of the season and i just said all right let's just have some fun and see what happens just just on that you know you talk about you know the last year of the race is the mental game do you do any mental skills practice I do, yeah. Um, I do some meditation and some uh, like self hypnosis stuff that I've been doing for for years. Um, but I mean, I'm I I'd definitely say it becomes more of my routine as I get closer to races. Yeah. Um, you know, almost as your training goes down, that kind of stuff goes up. Mm. It's just, I mean, a balance. Uh, there's only so much time in the day, and you definitely yeah. have to prioritize. Yeah. Um, yeah, especially when you start when you have a family too, right? Yeah, you get, yeah, get more things to worry about. So one of the other changes you look like you've made is, you know, you've had some great results, um, but you've had a, a maybe a rethink on your nutrition by the sounds of it, and you've moved to using some Generation U cans. So maybe tell us um, why you've why you've made that change and um, what change you made. Yeah, absolutely, and that's something I've been really trying to work on all all year, um, kind of from November last year to to a couple months ago. I was, you know, I felt like in Kona. Um, like my heart rate was really good at mile 10. I was running with Braden and Patrick and 
I didn't feel, I felt like I should have been able to keep running faster at that point than I did. And I just kind of started to fall, fall apart that at that point. And, you know, everything points to, all right, you need to improve your nutrition plan. You know, how are you feeling? So for months I've been trying everything, new things on the market and trying to really dial it in. And, um, I came across something I tried years ago. Um, you can, but I didn't really understand how to properly use it. And it's, really a great tool for metabolic efficiency and uh, a consistent uh, stream of energy. So the uh, UCAN's uh, uh, much different than any high glycemic, uh, you know, nutrition drinks that we get on the market. It's uh, almost like a slow drip. So you're getting that constant release uh, because it's a different type of molecule, the superstarch. It's a constant release throughout the day. So, you know, I'm calculating how many scoops am I doing before and early in the race. And I know that I'm going to have that drip running for X number of hours, um, you know, through the run. And it's, I've felt awesome in training, uh, particularly recovery after, after training. Uh, I've always fallen victim to those kind of, um, kind of energy spikes and, you eat a huge meal, get a, you spike your uh, blood glucose, you know, you fall into a dive, you get sleepy, lethargic, and then you, know, you try to come out of it. So I've been really ni- nice and uh, constant and, and steady on my recovery as well. So uh, I'm really excited to, to, to uh, really put it to, to the test in Hawaii. So we've heard from different people that are using UCAN. They some use it exclusively um, in races. I personally, I've used it as sort of a more of a supplement to other nutrition. So you know, practicalities around how you're you're using it and how you're plan, well, maybe how you've used it in the seventy point three and and what you're planning to do in Kona. Yeah, uh, and that and that's a great point, guys. Um, it's uh, you know, it's it's a different fuel source, right? So for me, I am burning um uh insane amount of, of calories right when i'm racing because mm. you know we're not racing uh ironmans at um you know really that aerobic level where it's as the sport has progressed so is as the effort level and being able to sustain it above you know you know with a little more throttle down right mm. so I'll, I'll mix it with a with a regular glycemic um drink Mm-hmm. So I'll get that kind of quick replenishment, but I'll also get that steady fuel from the UCAN. So, you know, I may have two scoops of um, UCAN with two scoops of uh, glycemic mix, which, you know, like glucose, fructose mix mm. in my bottles. And I'll do several bottles of that um, and then, you know, using gels and Coke on the run. But mm. I know that with just UCAN before the race and then, you know, mixing it in with um, high glycemic during the bike. I know that I'm going to have that you can still running through my system on the run, which if you blow up, you got nothing, right? And one gel is not going to bring you back to where you want to be. You know, <laughs> like you're going to have to be thrown in the grams of carbs if, if you hit that wall. Mm. But it's almost like an insurance policy. You know, I know I have that slow drip um, coming in from the UCAN, even if I've messed up my high glycemic uh, program. So it's a little bit of a, you know, insurance program. Is it, have you had much of a change in your general nutrition as well over the years, or is it, yeah, uh, yeah, are you sort of going down the low carb route, or are you sort of got a fairly, yeah, just a healthy, healthy diet? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I've worked with in the past with Mark Allen, and, and he's definitely, you know, kind of that metabolic efficiency type of um, mentor. Um, so over the years, I've definitely incorporated, you know more healthier, um, higher fat foods, you know, things like avocados and nuts and things like that. But, um, 
you know, honestly, right now, um, I am definitely doing like you can bars and drinks in the morning before my swims and in between, like if I have a hard run and then an hour and a half between before I swim, you know, I'm, I'm drinking you can in between that. And then when I come home, I'm having, you know, a big meal, uh, maybe a recovery shake and then off to the next session. So, um, it's been a really good way for me to fuel early in the morning. Um, when I don't need a ton and, uh, you know, I have some big sessions in that I wouldn't, you know, do well on a full, full stomach from a big meal. Um, often when we get the, the females who have become mums on the show, the pro athletes, we <coughs> ask them about how this kind of changed their life. But, you know, we often don't ask the men. And um, in your situation, you know, we all know you've now got a kid and uh, it's, you know, life's changed. How's, how's life changed for a pro male athlete? And I know your, your wife's obviously pro as well, but um, how's life changed and what's been the benefit and what's been some of the struggles that come with that? It's, uh, I mean, it's awesome. Um, and I think, you know, have Rennie and I both racing and at this highest level, it's uh, I think a definitely unique situation, but, um, you realize, you know, I think your priority shifts a lot. Um, I mean, <laughs> when I crashed my bike, when I was flying through the air, uh, you know, Izzy was on my mind, you know, like, I'm like, all right, well, like you better, you better hit the ground in the right way and, and, you know, be there for your daughter. Um, or, you know, <laughs> you know it's like your price, it's, she's on your mind, you know, and, yeah. uh, uh, you know, you lose a sponsor and, and you're like, you're super bummed to get off the phone and then you walk downstairs and Izzy's there, right? And you're like, oh, okay, you know what? That doesn't even matter. You know, like this is my priority and this makes me smile. Um, so in that ways, it's, it's been, it's been unbelievable. Uh, you can't really recover like you used to, uh, you know, Grinny and I used to Netflix and chill all the time, but, um, you know, now it's, uh, you get home from a big, big session and, you know, luckily we have great, um, Manny who, um, is unbelievable with Izzy, but you know, you're, you're on duty and, you know, obviously you want to spend time as well, but, um, it's, it's full on. And Rennie made the mistake. Um, I call it a mistake. She doesn't. She bought Izzy, uh, her birthday was a couple weeks ago, and she bought her massive, like, 15-foot trampoline. Uh, <laughs> and and all Izzy wants to do is a trampoline. She'll wake up in the morning, you know, should we should we jump on the trampoline? And I'm like, no, I'm too, my legs are too tired to jump on the trampoline. <laughs> but, um, you know, she doesn't care about racing results. Uh, she just wants her parents around, which is pretty fun. Cool. So what does the next couple of weeks look like for you in terms of getting yourself uh, dialed in and, and ready for Kona? Uh, we are in Kansas right now, so mm. we're doing our sea level camp at Kansas, and uh, it's we've been here for a little under a week, and it's um, it's perfect actually. Though I mean, it's hotter than it was when we were here last year, which is great. So it's hot and humid. Um, we have uh, Julie out here, and then our cycling coat Matt Matt Bottrell, uh, and you know the rest of the JD crew. So we're just hunkering down and and, and getting in that last bit of um bit of work. What do you love about Kona, other than other than like? the race as such what what's what's the experience like for a pro like you um i mean obviously you know Rennie and i have a, such a storied history there um that it's 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 a big part of who we are in our relationship which is always great but uh i just i you know i love the the energy um and the all, all the different shapes and forms of it you know the the nervousness the excitement the um <laughs> you know the little bit of being scared right yeah. um there's just so much energy just kind of swirling around on the island it's it's pretty cool 
Excellent. Um, the only other question I had for you is just any what, what bucket list races have you got left on your radar that you wanted to obviously wrote was was on the list this year. I remember when your name yep. was announced, that would have been really cool. But what what events uh, outside of Crushing Kona that do you really want to go and get done? Uh, you know, we would love to do Ironman uh, South Africa. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, we would love to go out there early next year. Um, we're going to see how Kona goes, and you know maybe that'll be a part of it. Um, and another race we've already been to, um, but we're going back for the short course race in November, um, St. Croix. So it's no longer an Ironman race, but uh, it's just a really fun local race. That's where we met. Uh, actually, we met there 10 years ago, so we are going to go back. Uh, anybody wants to join us, um, nice. you know, it's uh, it's a fun little race. It's a sprint race and it's a uh, half-distance race. So uh, we love St. Croix. We can't wait to go back. Just just lastly, and, and on the relationship question, you know, because you, you have such a public relationship, but, you know, for all Ironman athletes, the relationship management's a pretty tough thing to get right because we're all so bloody tired and training and kind of self-focused. Uh, you know, how do you guys, what are the keys to your success? Uh, you know, it's definitely harder. Uh, we, you know, we thought it was hard, both, both training and racing and focusing on our own careers. Um, but you know, once, once you're, you have kids, it's, um, I think it gets even harder trying to, you know, obviously we get a lot of time together as a family, but trying to get that kind of, you know, uh, our personal time together is, is always hard, but, uh, we, we try to, you know, we'll try to do a date night. Um, we said every week, but <laughs> it's more like every two or three weeks. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but if we can get if we can just get out, you know, even twice or twice a month, I think uh, that really helps us. Um, and just knowing there's no resentment, um, just under you know understanding what each other you know each of us is going through, I think is really important. Um, and you know communication of, of where we're at, and because uh, you know we understand that this is um, not how it's going to be forever. This is our you know our racing life right now, so. Um, we understand that we're in some ways kind of weathering the storm before we have a little bit more normalcy. Awesome. Um, anything you want to get out there? I know you guys have now got your um, your, your YouTube channel, but any, any other things that you want to get out there that listeners uh, might be interested in? Uh, yeah, no. Uh, we've got some actually tablets here in town right now, so we'll have some more Tim and Rennie Show uh, episodes coming out. And uh, the Tim and Rennie show hats, uh, that everybody's been asking about are now available for sale on the Tim and Rennie show.com. So, um, show your love, show your support and, uh, get yourself a trucker hat. Awesome, man. Well, you have a kick, kick butt performance in, uh, in Kona. Hopefully yeah. well, you're dueling it out with Braden Curry again. So then we can get you both Go on the, the podium. Go for the win. Go for the win. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, all, all the best for the next few weeks. All right. Thanks, fellas. Awesome. awesome thanks, thanks for your time. Jumbo, your thoughts. Oh, he's he's one of many that uh, is a, a podium potential, and on his day, I loved it. And also, it. which we didn't ask him, was going to that place last year. Does it teach you how to go to that place again? Mm. You know, because he, it was like last year. You you're going, Braden's got it. Yeah, you know, he just hung tough, man. He just gritted it out. It was pretty cool stuff. Mm. So as he said, though. He's pumping out all these good numbers, and every time he thinks he's going good and he goes to Kona, doesn't it? So, Tim, you're going shit at the moment. You're really crap. Take the pressure off. Go and crush it. I do have to admit, I, I hadn't really thought about the qualification thing around how the winner of Kona doesn't get a slot, but you can go to, what is it, Ironman, bloody Louisville or something, mm. on the same day, and you get a slot to Kona. You do kind of get a slot, but you still got to go into another race, and you choose whether you want to race it or and not. And what is the top? Top three. Get that. But then, in his position, fourth, you get nothing. 
So what's what other outside of Kona? What race has a championship? Like what does Germany? How many slots does Germany have? I'm going to say there's probably in the ends up probably four male slots, three or four. I think there's two for females, two for males, and then there's two floating. I think it's something like that. So to me, Kona should get the most slots. Doesn't get any slots. I know. That's why I think there should yeah. be a combination of the of the points and the winners of races because then Tim would have got loads of points in Kona and uh, he still would have needed to go and do a race somewhere, but he wouldn't have necessarily had to win it to get the to get the slot. But anyway. He's going in. He's going, and he's going to be crushing it. So, um, if you guys want to get your hands on any generation, you can. You go to generationucan.com/shop. Uh, you can get fifteen percent discount there using the promo code I am talk. If you're in Australia, generationucan.com.au. If you're in Canada, Smart performance nutrition.ca or in New Zealand superstarch.co.nz that promo code will work on all those websites get yourself 15% discount try it out it is significantly different to your normal sports nutrition um, in terms of it's not just another sugary drink you know you you go to the, uh, the the bike shop or online anywhere and you'll see 10 different brands that are they're all much of a much yeah. they've all got their kind of unique selling point trying to claim this that and the other thing you can as completely different so it needs to be used in a different way and just need to to play around with it and definitely you guys that are on low carb high fat uh diets this is uh you know a definitely a good option for you so check it out give it a try so john just while we're here generation you can oh.com is it yep yep um just we, i was just looking at the half marathon world records gone so jeffrey can i say kimora um 57 58 9 mm. and negative split it nice so he did uh, first 5Ks was 247s. Mm-hmm. Second 5Ks was 245s. And then the third 5Ks is 242s. And they don't have the last 5Ks, but it beat the world record by 19 seconds. Under 58 for a half. That's smoking. That's f- what, what? What country is he from? Is he Kenyan or is he. Doesn't have here, no. Don't know. But how about that? I don't know why it's an Olympic sport. Sorry? I don't know why it's not an Olympic sport. Good point. More people where, do, where do you stop? More people do. I reckon probably half marathon is the biggest participated sport in the world. I would, I would agree with that. Uh, I would probably agree with that. It's definitely way bigger than marathons. You go to any marathon around, um, you know, event where there's a half marathon and a marathon, half's almost always big. I mean... No, it is. It is. Maybe yeah. not on competitive. Yeah. But, you know, like... And it's great TV. It's an hour. Mm. 58 minutes mm. <laughs> oh my god oh oh. how far can it go you know well they reckon um, Kipchoge is going to beat the trees because they're trying to beat the two hours Kipchoge yeah Kipchoge right. yeah um, they're doing another project where they're trying to get him to go into two hours nice I'd love him to do it yeah he's a freak okay anyway uh, John question no, wait, wanger oh, wait, wait, of wait, the week I'm going to go I'm going to go, I'm gonna go 50 Seven, because that's what we did at 57, 58 or something. <laughs> uh, Joe Skipper in 57th oh, place. mate! With 13 hours and 30 minutes. Don't need to do too much for him to try and Joe. Hope he's okay, Joe, because uh, he was down to do Ironman Wales and he but it was a mechanical. mechanical. Um, whether or not, you know, he didn't want to get off the bike and run, I don't know. Jeez. Uh, had a bit of a rough season so hopefully you can make it to Kona Joe and you're in good shape and you're ready to kick some butt one of the nicest guys in the sport and yes. a character I love Joe, Joe Skipper good man okay let, let me just uh, I only did do the run I didn't see him listed in the uh, results there 
He ran 43.01 Ks. And what was his time? Two hours, 51 minutes. Holy smoke. If that's the correct run course, it was way quicker than what the other dudes are running. So good on him. Yeah, good on him. Should have done my P's on that. Should have done your P's. Should have gone for a P, John. Okay, let's do questions and answers. And good old Bradley Carroll sent those through. He did send me in another um, email afterwards. Said maybe you guys should listen to the interview because I'm I'm a terrible listener. But he has got here fascinating interview with our recent third place winner, a finisher at the seventy point three champs. Uh, who was it, John? Uh, Rudolph Van Berg. Okay. So, represents a pivotal moment in our sport. So, um, so you've got, mate, Rudolph represents a pivotal moment in our sport. First, family legacy. His dad is a multiple world champion age grouper who was there right from the beginning. Second, Rudolph was an eight-year-old watching Kona live and dreamt of winning it. Third, and this is a big one for me, in the interview he mentions he chose a career in Ironman over cycling. This is big. Kids with potential choosing triathlon over cycling. Pivotal moments. Our sport is maturing and coming of age. John's a bit I think there's some really interesting points here. I don't know if it's pivotal or not, but family legacy, that's massive in all sports. And I get a bit frustrated when I see um, genetically these people, you know, they're, they're sweet. Maybe they are genetically, yeah. but but half the time, that's got nothing to do with it. It's just you've got parents who know how to... Well, do, do you read Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell? I think I might have it's done. One, it was kind of a book that brought out 10,000 hours and, and mm. made it popular. But one thing they talk about there is um, kids who get in rep teams just get better because they get better mm. development. And often, if your parent is the legend in the sport, your kid's getting in the rep teams. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So your kids just, and they've got the development from your parent who knows the game so mm. much the better. Discipline, the yeah. skill, you know, your dad's out with rugby. Well, look at you and Thomas. Yeah. You know, how many kids love triathlon in Christchurch? Yeah. How he's many kids want to watch the ITU live? He's loved One. It. <laughs> loved it. He loved the Vuelta. I know, but that's, you know, like, Tommy's a kid. Oh, totally agree. You know, and that's, and that's if it wasn't your kid. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's an interesting point. Family legacy is, is can be massively important. And I had a couple of other examples. Um, Laurie Bowden uh, in Ironman, you know, her mother was a Kona champion, oh, really? age grouper, and she went on to win. Frederick Blurber, who was a uh, French, I'm pretty sure his dad was was a good triathlete. On a lesser extent, um, Bevan Doherty, his dad wasn't a champion athlete, but he was a lover of the sport, lover of the sport and did, did Ironman every year. And I have a feeling Flora Duffy's parents do um, triathlon as well. Just to, to um, Brad's second point, Rudolph was an eight-year-old watching Kona and dreamt of winning it. Again, Bevan gave the example there <laughs> from my world with Thomas and so on. Um, third, he says this is a big one. The interview he mentions choosing a career of Ironman over cycling. Um, he reckons that's big. The, the thing with cycling versus triathlon, and, and this is the great thing about triathlon, you've got control of your destiny. You can make the decisions. I'm racing here, I'm racing here. Yep. You still need some luck you know, to get the right sponsors. Yep. In cycling, it's largely out of your control. You know, you've got to be picked by the right team. You've got to perform when they want you to perform. Go take drugs. Because um, <laughs> some could say that. But you're often not going to be the team leader. And in, in, in cycling, it's only about the person that wins. Second place is nothing. And so, you know, you've got 180 people in the, the peloton at the Tour de France or the, the Vuelta or whatever it is, and there's only a handful of them that are important. The rest are all just, just workers doing different jobs. So it's it, cycling's a lot more competitive, so that may have factored into his decision, and it's easier to make a good level in triathlon than it is to get into cycling. So for, we see lots of examples of people in there first year of racing they're absolutely crushing it and, and winning an Ironman race or, do, or doing exceedingly well you're never going to see that uh, never say never but it's highly unlikely you're going to ever see that in 
athletics or cycling or anything like that. So um, I think, I don't know if it is a pivotal moment, but it's uh, it's cool to see people choosing triathlon over cycling. Yeah, well, um, um, the girl who, who got a bike and rode nine man when she was like 12. Carly, um, Saza, Kaiser Sali. Kaiser Sali. She's a great example of that. Mm-hmm. Her dad loved Iron Man. Mm. And she got a bike and rode 180k. When she was, it was really young. I can't remember the exact age. Pretty cool. Yeah. You know, and there is that thing, you know, like if you can build a passion. Cycling's a bloody tough way to make it. And uh, it's a triathlon. It's a triathlon, is it? And you're going to get, if you make it in cycling, you've got a probably a more consistent, decent income stream because it's, you know, more of a salary base. more opportunity as well, isn't it? Yeah, it's salary base, whereas triathlon, you're making your own luck and hoping like how you get good prize money. How many New Zealand cyclists would make a decent living? Uh, I wouldn't know if top made, but there's, there's several that are on, once you're onto a pro team tour, pro, pro tour team, um, you're, you're okay. In comparison uh, to triathletes in New Zealand? It's a good question. You'd be more, Probably you? on par, I reckon. I'd say the cyclists would be, there'd be more cyclists making better money than there'd definitely be more cyclists making better money than triathletes now that I think about it because yep. we've probably got five to maybe eight or so pro tour riders yep. and when you're a pro tour rider you're not retiring on it if you're a lower level one but yep. you're making a living versus triathletes it's only probably a, cut, a few yeah that's interesting, isn't it? Okay, John. Um, that's pretty much this week's discussion. John, let's talk about patrons. Jonathan, the Ringer Pike. We've got Sam Hot Rock Hicks. That's a good one. And Andrew, the King of Hearts, Owen. If you want to become a patron of the show, go to www.iamtalk.me and you can um, you know, become a patron and support the boys and get us to Kona and also go on a chance to win a trip to Kona. Just go to www.iamtalk.me and thank you to all the people who already are patrons. John, sponsors. Extreme Endurance Galactic Buffer And Generation You can yeah, Look after your, G- your GI And just get Good nutrition It'll help your race better Think of that drip I like that drip analogy That Tim used uh, You want to get show Email to you Iamtalk.me Bottom of the page Front page You can see it there If you want, um, you want some coaching Coachjohnnewson.com Now it's the time of the season To go get a coach If you are getting one Because Depending on where you are Depending on where you are If you're in the, if you finish your season And you've had you know A bit of a month downtime It's Frustrating when people just think they can do, they want to get better, and they're just going to do a race build up. The off season, man, you can make some big gains. So, if you're looking at getting coaching, now's a good time of the year. Are you, are you, have you got cycle socks on? I've got uh, socks with a cyclist on them. They don't really match. I've got brown jeans on with black yeah. shoes and light blue socks. Belinda probably didn't do a clothing check. My I friend, who's a fashion guru, said you should your socks should match your pants. Right. Well, unless you, yeah, mate, you're colourful. <laughs> Carl, I don't know if that's a compliment or a... You look like a clown, you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can check out my podcast, bevanjamesisles.com. Uh, if you want to email us, age group, call websites, anything else, dub, dub, dub. Oh, no, sorry, iamtalkpodcast at gmail.com. John, you goss. We've got a one-day working week this week, so it's a bit of a toughie. To be in a way oh, is that tough? That's a good thing, isn't it? It is, but you've got to compact five days of work into one day, which is not easy. So it's impacting my training, which is which is never never good, and it's... Uh, that's the nice thing about work. working at the gym mm-hmm. is you've you got to go to work. Yeah. You know what I mean? You're never going to go, oh, I can't do this today because I've got to go to work. And So the nice thing is I'm, I'm always going to get my basic size in, which is mm-hmm. a good thing. So that'll be a bit of a challenge. So I've been away skiing, went away skiing, had a couple of days up in uh, the beautiful Nali? part of the South Island. Oh, it's beautiful. Hardly anybody. Uh, the great thing about skiing and some slopes in New Zealand, this field we go to is just a small field called Round Hill. <laughs> it's like, you can still get decent skiing? Oh, it's pretty easy skiing. 
pretty easy. Which skiing. is good for someone like me who doesn't yep. ski. Yeah, and you're basically just skiing on the lift. You just we we Thomas was the first, and he was in the queue. I think he was the second person on the on the the lift as soon as they actually started cranking them up. Yep. And uh, Felicity was one one behind me, and she got the last run of the season on the T bar because after that they closed it. And so she for the, this was the last day of the season on this particular field. So she was the last person on the field for the day. So that, that was good. So that was good. And then I'm going away on school camp with Felicity tomorrow. Where for you three going? Days. We're going to Hamner Springs, great part of South Island. It is. It's a beautiful place. So that's all good. Taking out my new, uh, my new, taking my new cube mountain bike up there to have a little whirl. So it's gonna be good times. How many days are you going there for? Three days, two nights, which is plenty. Oh, no sleep. Shut up, kids. Yeah, no, they go to bed all right, most of them. We we rule with an iron fist. <laughs> so it's good times. I go doubt that with you. Um, any other goss? No, that's about it. Bevan, what's happening? You had a big weekend in Tekapo? You didn't come do the babysitting. We were waiting. Yeah, we were I, waiting. I, I saw sixteen people. I was like, "Oh, stay away from that! <laughs> <laughs> stay away from that!" Uh, we had a lovely weekend actually. It was quite lovely because Joe's parents have been married fifty years, and I think I may have said this last week. But her parents are a real good example of a lovely just people who love each other. Great. Um, but it's no because you know what you see a lot of people being together, but mm-hmm. you know, to, I always think relationships are a test of time. You know, relationships should be a test of quality, and I think a lot of people staying together. Like quality a, a, over quantity. Well, there's a lady at the gym, and a lovely lady, and her, her father died recently, and uh, in his 90s, like, parents have been together 50 years, and she said, oh, I wish he'd died earlier, because he's such a prick to my mum. <laughs> you know, and you're just thinking, what a, what a horrible life. You mm. spend 50 years with someone who's a prick to you the whole time. And so, um, and yeah, so it was just really, it was really lovely. Her parents, it's a great family, and it was just a nice time away. I have to say, John, mm. World Cup rugby. I'm excited. Are you paying? I paid. You've paid. You're going to have some late nights then. Oh, yeah. The first games in New Zealand's playing South Africa in the first game. Um, no, the first game. It, the first game is Argentina and France, or maybe even Japan. Oh, the first game for New Zealand. Yeah, uh, and it doesn't start till about ten o'clock at night. Yeah, but the Argies and the French are playing before, and that's a pivotal oh, game because right. in that, that league you got the Argies and the French and the Poms. Oh, so one of them's not going through. Yeah, and hopefully it's the Poms. <laughs> 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 Sorry, <laughs> English listeners, but we really don't want you to get through. <laughs> that would be good. One of the best things in sport for those who don't follow rugby was in the last World Cup, the Poms. Was it? It was in England. It was in mm. Europe? Was it just England? Yeah. England Wales. Probably England Wales. Yeah, I, I, yeah, can't remember. And uh, the Poms didn't get through. They didn't get through in their own home, and mm. it was a disgrace. <laughs> and, and we were loving it, weren't we? We were. We were loving it. Now, so the, so we're playing the Springboks, and the Springboks, for about the last 10 years, they've been pretty creepy. But in the last two years, yeah, they're getting there. they've come back, John. I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not confident. I'm doing the Sunday morning get-up, so no, nothing. I'm just recording it, and then I'm getting up Sunday so morning. So have you paid for it? No. No, no, I'll do the record. I'm going to buy an all-black jersey. Are you? 200 bucks. I know. God. But I actually love, because the problem with the all-black jerseys is they change them so they get pretty outdated. Mm. I don't really love the white collar, Mm. but the the, the World Cup jersey's got no collar, no sponsor. Nice. So if you're going to invest, now's the time, John. So I'm pretty excited about Rugby World Cup. Um, Anything else other than that, John? You maybe notice I'm getting pretty huge. Oh, yeah, massive. Massive. Taking protein powder every day. I know we're going to wax those legs of yours. You're looking pretty hairy. No, it's just the, the, the no, no. He's brushing this hair down so they don't. Look it's because so I've hairy. oiled. I put oil on after my shower because I'm starting to get dry skin because I'm getting older. Yeah. Do you put moisturizer on your body? No. Why not? Because I'm just going to age gracefully. No, John. 
do it now. <laughs> Ten years from now, you'll regret it. <laughs> anyway, let's wrap it up. I'm Russ. Uh, I'm Endo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia, Kia kaha. Kaha.